We're throwing off the filters of tradition and culture to discover what the Bible really says about relationships, relationships with God, with ourselves, and with others. Welcome to this episode of Relationship Truth Unfiltered. Welcome, I'm Julie Sedenko, and today I'm talking with Jerry, a mentor in our Conquer membership group. Jerry provides leadership to this community of Christian women who are dealing with destructive relationships and learning how to grow in spite of all that difficulty. Jerry started out, though, as a Conquer member because of her own destructive marriage, which ended, unfortunately, after two and a half years of marriage. Through it all, she's remained a faithful mom to her teenage son and a faithful Boston Red Sox fan. <laughs> I'm not going to say I anything as a, as a Giants fan, but okay. Uh, <laughs> not a Yankees fan. We can still, we can go on. It's okay. Oh, okay. Okay. We can still make it work <laughs> <Yeah>. then. <laughs> I'm not a Yankees fan. <laughs> Actually, I don't even watch sports. So um, I, I'm more diehard 49er fan. I'm more cool. Football, so. Okay. Now you met and married your husband in kind of a whirlwind. So tell me a little bit about that. Sure. It was a whirlwind. I was 39 when I met him, had never been married, had a 14-year-old wow. son at the time, and had become a Christian about, I don't know, less than 10 years before that, and really had it on my heart to want to marry, to do things God's way this time, mm -hmm. and met this man who said he was a Christian and seemed to check so many boxes, and even he was a Red Sox fan. And I thought, wow, oh, thank, well. you, thank you, God. <laughs> Look at that. <laughs> then we know and it's so, made. Yeah, he was a little bit older than I and had been a Christian also for many more years than I, many more decades even than I. And so we had this like, when you know, you know, um, attitude. And so a few people in my life raised some concern about the speed of things and I just really thought God was leading me and was so excited to have my son have a dad as much yeah. as excited as I was to become a wife and a mom. I just remembered there was a time when my son had said to me, like, we were both in a church, we were both following God and he, mom, when are you going to get a husband? Like you just go to the store and get one. Yeah. Right. <laughs> And it, I told him, like, I'm trusting God in this. And when the time is right, there'll be someone. And so it was for just as much as it was for me, something I right. wanted. I really wanted this for him. And so when I met this man, he's, I thought God was leading me. And he checked all the boxes. And it happened within six months. Met, engaged, married in 2019. Wow. Pandemic yeah. time. Yeah. Pre-pandemic right before uh, the world went crazy. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And, and it didn't just <laughs> was, go, it, it went crazy in your marriage too. And it wasn't yeah. very long, I think, until you started recognizing this isn't the dream I wanted for me or for my son. Kind yeah. of tell me those first uh, hints that you started sure. realizing, oh no. Well, you know what? The oh no, I started to feel pretty early on, even in our short courtship slash engagement time, were things that I thought were just touching on my own insecurities, like you wouldn't call me when he said he would, or so little. They seemed little, but the the blow up was disproportionately large on huh. his part, and it would become this big thing, and. Those were probably some red flags. You mean, so So what you're saying is he would get like super angry over yes, something very trivial? Yes. Yeah, well, but the complaint was I was being trivial 
about it. So anyway, oh, okay. we, we got married and very quick, even on our honeymoon, there were some things that were like very, we, we ended up in a couple of pretty large fights on our honeymoon. Really? Which was, yeah, which also were centered around things that were my quote unquote insecurities. And so this was concerning, but by the spring of 2020, yes, the pandemic had begun. Yes, the stressors had begun. And I was at a doctor's office spoke to the, this doctor said to me, the pandemic is revealing our emotional homes. And I thought, whoa, because something's wrong with the emotional home of what's going on in my uh-huh. marriage. And I thought it was me. I didn't know how to be a Christian wife, had never been married. He had. He'd been a Christian longer. He must know. Now, had and he been divorced or did his he wife? Had been, he had been divorced. Okay. Yep. So Years before. This is one of the things that I know Leslie talks about a lot as far as how it can be confusing because none of us are perfect. We're all sinners. Exactly. And so when a guy is telling you, well, you're being trivial, well, you, you know, a, a good person is going to self-reflect and, mm. and say, God, you know, is it me? Mm. And that really kind of, you had a lot of that confusion, didn't you? I did. That it's exactly right. There's an element of truth to that, that no, I'm not perfect. Yes, I'm showing up with baggage and insecurities and things that every human being shows up in a relationship with. Yes, we've all dealt with them to varying degrees or not dealt with these things. But I knew I was someone who had pursued Christ, who had been to counseling before and had made efforts to heal in the places for me. So to feel this was like, I think there were some lies I was believing that said, I must be the problem. And they just kept getting confirmed by what was going on in my marriage. And by spring of 2020, I had found myself a Christian counselor filled with the Holy Spirit who I started seeing. Basically, I said to her, I don't know how to be a wife. Help. Wow. That was so my you complaint. really did think it was your fault. I really did. That early on. Yep. So I, I know we had talked earlier and you had used terms like, you know, gaslighting and sure. blame shifting and deflecting. Sure. And can you kind of give us a few examples from your marriage? Because I think maybe somebody might be able to recognize themselves in a couple of those examples. Yeah, I can. Um, I know those are like buzzwords and I don't, I had the pleasure really of not having to know exactly what they meant until I experienced this myself. I mean, for instance, um, I guess we can use the example of those insecurities of mine. I would, there was a time um, in his life where there was another woman living in the home. I thought it wasn't even the wife. So he was this Christian woman, Christian guy with this lady living in the house. Um, and I would find her stuff all over the house. Eyelash hmm. curlers and pictures and notes from her. She was gone since a t- 10 years before this. So wow. I would be like, why, are you, why can't you like, can you please get rid of this stuff? And it would be this battle of like, and he would say, you just can't accept my past or... I don't even know if that was one of the things, but it was all about me and my insecurities about this woman. When I was saying, look, this is a marriage. There's two of us here with Jesus. And can we please have everybody else A, B, C their way right out of this thing? Like, Yeah. I mean, if you're not with her anymore, then why is she still in the home? 
so her name was on the mailbox actually as i was the wife in the home no i'm serious and so i had to put my foot down and say what is going on here and it became about me like why can't i let it go why he can't? he he didn't want to take her name off the mailbox I, I took it off without him even knowing it was there and i said look what i had to do but there were other things like but when the things would come up for a while it was like oh of course you want that to leave but then after i kept finding things it was like it turned to be my fault. Mm. So it was, yeah, it was confusing and challenging. And I did have insecurities in my past. And there, that was a place the enemy could, knew he could get me. And so mm -hmm. there was the thread of doubt, like, am I just being too possessive? Am I just being too something? But as we kept going, I realized, no. Well, I I'll tell you right now, myself and probably every person listening is like, yeah, I'd want her name off the mailbox too. Yeah. And I, what I would do with that eyelash curler, I mean, yeah, <laughs> well, there's, yeah. that's it's not a, happening. Yeah, yeah. So, and I, to be honest, I don't know whose eyelash curler it was, and I'll leave it at that. I don't know, okay. actually. <laughs> but it wasn't yours. Is it point. was not mine, that I know for, <laughs> for a fact. Uh, so, yeah. And then you also mentioned to me before that you started to recognize that he had a sexual addiction. Yeah. So this is true. I don't even know if he, <laughs> I don't know if he would call it that, but uh, one thing I noticed, which is part of, we can tie this into the last question is in every room in his house. And we never did cohabitate officially, even though I spent a lot of time at his house. That's another story for another day, but there was the intention to buy a home together, then the pandemic happened, but then there were a bunch of other problems. So anyway, right. there were picture paintings, lots of um, female body parts in the paintings, almost in every room. And I would say, um, it doesn't seem to me that you need any more of this anymore. Like, can these go? And there was a big argument about that too. You know me, I just like things, I'm sentimental, da, 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 da. and eventually like it took months, almost a year to get those out of the walls. So that was one tip that there might be something going on. But the way that I found out was through um, in spring of 2021, so had been married about 16 months, I guess, and he came to me with a confession. The confession wasn't about cheating. It wasn't really about saying he had any kind of sexual addiction. It just was a confession that he, two and a half years ago, I use air quotes because I don't know what's actually true mm -hmm. because so many lies happened. But two and a half years ago, he had done something inappropriate at work, very inappropriate. But, and then he was having a, he was very concerned, overly concerned with the consequences that could happen compared to the thing he actually told me. So it didn't add up. Mm -hmm. Why are you concerned about going to jail if this is what you did? I don't really understand. It turns out that was the tip of a very big iceberg. Huh. And I never saw the bottom of the iceberg. I, God got me out of there before I had to see, but something was revealed that was extremely concerning. And what happened was he seemed like a contrite man. He seemed like as scared as he was of his consequences that he wanted to change. He said, I need help. I'm looking for a rehab. I have an obsession. He never used the word addiction. He denied certain very common behaviors one might assume a sexual addict does he denied those things but he seemed like he wanted to get better so i decided wow this explains a lot and the abuse tactics 
all the th the things that were stressing me stopped. The blame shifting stopped. He owned it. The, wow. He he went through the house and was getting rid of artifacts on his own. Of and he said, "I never realized what was going on here. Now I see." So it was like, "Oh my goodness." God did like something every, here. every woman's dream, right? Is it that was, they'll, they'll see and they'll repent and they'll act on it. It was like every woman's dream. And he started to act. There was a dumpster. There were a lot of things in the home. He had probably what would be diagnosed as some kind of a hoarding disorder. I don't uh. want to, I'm saying just, it looked like that. There was a dumpster. Uh, I don't know how many ton dumpster, but we got rid of a dumpster full of stuff together. We got rid of the hard drives on his computer. He hacked them because really? I don't because I don't know what was on the hard drives. He was very, very kind to me throughout this. Like he mm. knew it wrecked me. And yeah. it seemed like he was being kind to me, but what I think he was was really scared to lose what he wanted. He knew what he revealed was going to be a problem for me because mm. I'm not gonna stand for this. He seemed kind, but what I think he was was really scared I was gonna bolt. And I had no intention of bolting to begin with. I wanted to stand by what my commitment, my earnest commitment to through thick and thin to be with someone if he was willing to change. And he seemed to be. But he said, imagine, Jerry, you must be you're so surprised. Imagine the, how surprised I am about who I am. Like he wanted me to feel worse for him having this revealed about himself than it was for his wife to hear it all. He was just like, I know you're sad, but look at me, this is awful. <laughs> I was like, yes, I do feel sad for you. But the comp that the, was like, I needed to pay attention to how hard this was for him. And that mm -hmm. started to be a theme that I, I wasn't, I was getting more aware of. And I hadn't found conquer just yet at that point, but I had been in counseling and able to run this by someone who could help me see. And when I got in, when I arrived in Conquer, the lights went on like, oh. How did you find Conquer? Sure, I found Conquer when I realized I had a mentor, not the counselor I had mentioned, a different mentor, a very dear friend of mine. She had been walking closely with me through this whole process. And one day she slid me across the table. We were coworkers in a small office. She slid me across the table, the abuse wheel. And I was like, basically I slid it back to her, looked at it, slid it back to her and was like, I don't really like that word abuse. I don't like how you're using the term abuser. I don't really like anything having to do with this. And I slid it back to her. But hmm. after some time went on, I, I couldn't deny it anymore. I don't remember the thing that happened that made me not deny it. It might've been that he finally got physically abusive on our second Valentine's day together. He did. He had, yeah. And I just want to be clear and say that never needed to happen for this to have been a destructive, abusive marriage. I just want to use the yeah. listener to hear that it never needed to become physically abusive in order for, and I think for me, there was a part of me that thought it did. There's but a part there of was, a lot of people that think yeah. it's only abuse. Uh, matter of fact, today, Leslie's doing an entire workshop on if he if doesn't, it doesn't hit you, is it abuse? Because well, you can have an abusive relationship without him ever laying a hand on you. 
Yeah. And I just want, he he did lay a hand on you. He did. Yeah. It was Valentine's day morning and happy Valentine's day, right? Happy Valentine's day. Our second Valentine's day together ever. We were sitting on the couch. I feel like we had just finished breakfast. For some reason we got into an argument. And at this point I was starting to get wise enough to know that when things got heated, my responsibility was to remove myself from the situation until we were both more calm. Basically, he would up the ante on the verbal abuse tactics, on the blame shifting, on the scripture abuse. Oh, yeah, God says I should sleep. I I would rather sleep on a roof with pointy shingles than have a wife like you, all this stuff. I heard that one specifically more than once. So when that started to happen, I realized I got to go. And I would say, I said, I need to leave now. I'm going to go upstairs. We can talk about this later or something like that. I said it firmly. I said it quietly, not yelling. And I left. And when I went to walk away, he had had enough of me doing this because he couldn't control the situation anymore. And when I went to walk away this time, he picked me up by my ankle and threw me into the couch. And I did not get hurt by the grace of God. God. But I was stunned. I found myself in a ball on the floor, barely couldn't even cry because I was so shocked, had never had any physical abuse happen to me in my life by the grace of God. I was so shocked. And then he said, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but 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 you were trying to leave. But you were trying to leave and I just needed you to stay. You wouldn't talk to me and I needed you to stay. And I thought so he myself, was making excuses for what he did, that yeah, that's it, your fault too. It was my fault too. And oh my goodness, this things changed for me in this moment. Everything changed for me in this moment. That and we, to go back to your question, how did I find conquer? After that day, first of all, I got my journal. Somehow we ended up separate after that. I said, I must have said I need some space or something. I got my journal and I wrote down everything that happened. I wrote down how it happened, what he did what his reaction was, how I felt, because I did not want to take five steps away from that moment and be like, oh, that didn't, nothing, no, no big deal. Yeah, because because we want to rationalize it. We, yes. want, we want to not admit the truth so often. So true. This is something God has done for me in this healing and going through this. I'm not suggesting that God made me go through this. Let me also make that very clear. But Romans 8.28 says he works everything for good. And he's helped me see that part of my fallenness, and he wants me to grow in being able to see the truth, being willing, yeah, just courageously committed to the truth. Yes. So when this Valentine's Day incident happened, I, mu- I, I admitted to myself and to that mentor friend and to my counselor, there was abuse in my marriage. And it wasn't just physical that I need. It was not just physical, but it also was this. And I downloaded a few audiobooks. One of them was The Emotionally Destructive Marriage by Leslie Vernick. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I didn't live with my husband. He lived basically an hour away. We would share time at both houses, but just this was the situation. It was messed up. I acknowledge that. But on my car rides, I would put the audiobook on. I was so in, enveloped in it. I would put it on 1.5 speed. So Leslie was talking like this really fast. <laughs> <laughs> but then there were a lot of questions in that book to check 
do you, is this you? Is this you? Is this you? Is this you? And I had, I was driving. I had a um, post-it pad right here on my lap, on my right knee and the pen were doing little tick marks. It's not mm. safe. I don't recommend this. <laughs> That's the truth of what happened though. And then mm. I got to where I was going and I saw all the tick marks. And that is how I found Leslie. I found Conquer because, so her name was familiar to me, but then I was in Bible study and the one other woman in there had been in an abusive marriage, had gotten um, out of it. And she was talking about this one support group she found where it was so helpful to get online with this community mm. of women and to, particularly helpful. She was talking about were the calls, the monthly calls where yeah. even if you didn't, she was saying, even if she didn't share, she was able to be blessed by what other women would share and the coaching they would receive on the calls. And well, and, and just for, so people know, I, I yes. get to be occasionally part of some of those calls, but one of the things when you join conquer community, you get, to be part of this private Facebook page with other women that are Christian women who are in destructive marriages. But you also, there are monthly Zoom calls with either Leslie or one of the coaches and you get to ask your questions. Yes. And that is so, so powerful, isn't it? And even just listening to other people's questions. Yeah, yeah. is what you're saying was so helpful. Well, yeah. part And you re I realized I'm not crazy. I'm not, I may not be perfect because I'm human, but I'm not the problem yeah. here. So much effort. And I realize this not just on my ex-husband's part. I realize this through the conquer page. So many, so, so many times the tactic is to mutualize the problem. Another buzzword, but it just means make it like we're both equally responsible 100%. for this marriage problem. That's like counseling 101 in the church, I think. Yeah. And I started when I would hear this on the calls and in the Facebook group, I started to realize, okay, I'm not crazy. I'm not alone. There are, this is not my imagination. It's not a, f a figment of my imagination. Mm. It was powerful. And that happened to be October, 2021. When my friend mentioned conquer to me, it mm -hmm. happened to be five days before my second wedding anniversary, I separated from him, which wasn't a huge ordeal. Cause like I said, we didn't live together, but I drew a line in the sand and said, putting our marriage on pause. And I'm not in, in, even going to see you. Hmm. I need to be separate. And conquer was opening for the fall launch. So I joined. When was the last time you cried over the condition of your marriage or felt angry enough to punch a wall? Maybe you don't feel anything anymore. Friend, this isn't what God wants for your life. And Although you may feel stuck, you're not. You have more choices than you may realize. One of the smartest choices you can make right now is joining Conquer. This isn't marriage counseling. It's a support group for Christian women who are in destructive relationships. The cost is small. What you get? Confidence, peace, strategy, and ultimately a family tree that says no to abuse. Make the choice now. Go to leslievernick.com forward slash join. So tell me, I guess, your time in Conquer in explaining a little bit of that. What were some of the sure. things that you learned, especially during those early months, some of your big aha moments? Yeah. One of my biggest aha moments was, well, in the early months, for I think I already said this part, was that I wasn't alone and I was not crazy that these things were happening it was ungodly, it was destructive, and it was not healthy in my marriage. It wasn't just a normal marriage. Yes. It wasn't just a normal 
marriage with two um, people doing two, you know, broken humans doing the best they can to love God and love each other. That's a lovely picture, but that was not what was happening here. Mm -hmm. So that became very clear to me. Um, at this point, I was separated and he was saying that he had been saying he wanted to do his own work. And so he started getting a counselor and he started doing his own work. That's fantastic on the surface. One thing mm -hmm. I was learning in Conquer was what to watch for when someone says this. Right. I was, so it helped me tremendously. And I'm not familiar with which, which resource it is. I'm sure you can fill in the blanks for me, but there's a teaching from Leslie about that regarding how, how long should I wait for him to change or something like that? Right. Or is he really doing his own work or what to watch for? And one of the things was watch how, of course, no one's perfect. He's not going to change instantly. Everything's not going to go sure. poof and be perfect, but watch for his, how he responds to your feedback. So I would give feedback and it was ugly. Not good. Yeah. No, it was ugly. And there wasn't, and there was also guilt trips left, right, and center. It would be, oh my, he would tell me that his counselor told him that Jerry would never be more like Jesus than when she forgives you. And he would bring the message to me. My counselor says, you would never be more like Jesus than you would be when you forgive me. And I'm lesson telling number, you, mm -hmm. <laughs> go ahead. Lesson number, I'm yeah. trying to hold lesson back number right two now. Or two or three that I learned when I came into Conquer was I can forgive my husband and not Bud. And I don't need to be in a very close relationship with him. I can hold both of those. hundred percent. Forgiveness does not equal automatically reconciliation. And I think Leslie teaches very extensively on this, or at least she and biblically that biblically. Yes. That the church, I think, Church counselors love this, um, you, you know, well, just forgive, just forgive 70 times seven, you know, forgive, 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 forgive. So are, are you saying that it's God's will that you're just continually abused and forgive? I mean, that is so cherry picking verses. And one of the things in Conquer, and there's a whole library, a whole video library, there's a whole path for people to, to learn this thing. And, the, and she takes you on a very um, intentional path where yes. you learn the whole of scripture, not just yes. nitpicking certain verses and creating, you know, a counseling over a certain verse where you just wind up being abused and yes. he winds up being enabled to continue abusing, which isn't yes. good for him either. And so this is important for people to hear because I know there are people listening that get that same counsel and it's Absolutely. wrong. It's wrong. Absolutely. Absolutely. I appreciate you underscoring the fact that it is biblical teaching and the heart of God toward people and light bulb aha moment number three or four is that God loves me more than he loves the institution of marriage. And God loves my ex-husband more than he loves the institution of marriage also. So he yes. loves me more. And I learned, Leslie gives a teaching on, is it Malachi 2.18? Malachi 2.16, yes. 2.16. So, yeah. So when I heard her teaching on that, it was like the Holy Spirit illuminated for me. His love for me is greater 
than his love for the institution of marriage. I never entered marriage tritely or flippantly. I was earnest in it. And I think I had, I didn't even, I wasn't even raised in the church. I don't come from these, I'm not steeped in deep religious tradition, really, I guess kind of Catholic, but I didn't think I consciously had these beliefs that I'm going to stay in this marriage no matter what, but I did. Huh. I did have this. And when I heard this teaching, it was like, whew, my eyes huh. got opened to God's heart is he loves me so much. He would never, never, ever send me into an abuse situation, number one, or force me to stay in an abuse situation. Well, and we're, we're God's children, right? Yes. So for those of us who are mothers, would you do that to your child? If your child came to you and described this type of abuse, would you just tell your child, well, just forgive, just forgive, just forgive, just forgive, just forgive, and not say, uh, no, that's not okay. Of course. And yet we think God is going to be any different with his children. Yeah. I, I mean, he's not. So. You know, I, I have the blessing of being in a wonderful church. And one of my pastors took me aside. He had called the church. First of all, one of the red flags in my marriage was that I had been in a church for, I was saved in this one particular church, not the one I'm in now had been involved, was like growing in the church and serving. And of course, I don't like the pastor, he said. I don't, he also told me he was between churches. He was between churches for 20 years. Had one church 20 years ago and never <laughs> found another one between churches. Anyway. For 20 so years, of, okay. Yeah. One of the things that happened to me was, yes, the pandemic happened, but my church didn't stop. They were on Zoom every single week. They kept mm. their groups going, but he didn't want to be part of it. And I thought I had to do what he said. I oh, thought that's what I was one, right? supposed yeah. to do. And so anyway, I had sort of gotten sucked out of my church family. I willingly and also was manipulated into getting out of my church family. But fast forward to having found a new wonderful church and my pastor pulled me aside and she asked me exactly, Julie, what you just said was, she said, you she used my son's name and she said, would you ever, if he told you this was happening, what would you do? And it was another aha moment for me. And I'm blessed. I know that not every sister in Conquer and not every woman listening to this podcast has a church that would say something like that. And I mm -hmm. hope that every, I would hope that were true, but I know it's not true. But I had the blessing of having my pastor look at me with love. She said to me, would you what would you say to your son in this situation? And I didn't even have to answer her. I think my tears answered the question. Yeah. 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 I think, I think that picture of us being a child and as mothers, <clears throat> we can so much more easily see the heart of God. Does he yes. love our marriage? Does he want it to succeed? Of course. A mother yes. wants her child's marriage to succeed too, but we're not going to say, well, for the purpose of just staying married, you just continue to be abused? No. Nope. Tell me, how long have you been in Conquer now? I think it'll be two years. Okay. And it, at some point, you finally, your husband was not going to do the work for real. Correct. And you did, you did end up filing for divorce. Can you kind of tell me how Conquer helped you through 
that time of your life. That's a very difficult time. Yeah. I can offer that my situation was probably, um, I, it's not unique. It's less typical. You know, my son was not a product of this marriage. We never cohabitated together. We were married for such a short time. We never owned an asset together. So a lot of the things that are a struggle for a lot of women were not a struggle for me. Mm -hmm. And this, I'm, I'm not saying it wasn't difficult, but I didn't have the complex problems of right. having a co-parent with him. He didn't want a parent to begin with. <laughs> he wanted to be the child. So it was like, okay, I'm still single mom here. So, was your son happy about the divorce? You know, I think he wanted, he knew I wasn't happy. He wasn't really very involved with him, which okay. is another problem. I so mean, there wasn't I, a bond that was created. There wasn't, it them. never got to be a bond. And I'm grateful I can see God's hands of hand of protection on that. Yeah. So I guess I was just prefacing it by, I didn't experience a lot of the challenges that can come with divorce by the nature of what had happened and with us. It was very quick. It was late in life. And it was also very easy to unravel because there wasn't a lot of shared anything. But there was but, the acknowledgement of the end of the dream that this is it, not going to be. Oh my gosh, that was so difficult. And I'm, I'm not answering your question. I'm going to save what I wanted to say because there's another very okay. important point. But the question being in conquer was so helpful to stand firm for my decision because he was using everything he knew in the book to try to get me back, to guilt me, to then insult me, to use the scriptures against me and say they came from his counselor who was a pastor and he's trying to use this intellectual prowess over me. And really like, I was learning how to stand firm for who I am without being harsh, without being insulting. It's not like I never had an angry moment inside my heart. Yes, I did. Oh yeah. Yes, I, you know, I'm not saying I'm some kind of saint. I'm saying I learned how to, I am a saint in the Lord. I mean, <laughs> it's not that I never strayed from what the best path was, but like I learned how to stand firm and let him, he was going to do whatever he was going to do. And I could still make my decision. And as he started to lose control, that he, he got angry because he couldn't manipulate me to get back with him. He couldn't manipulate me to start having contact with him. He couldn't manipulate me to do anything. And being in conquer and having the ability, I just, I use the phrase like to run things through the conquer filter. Right. The conquer filter, conquer the group is not God. Neither is any single person, right. any mentor, any, anyone else, but God is God. And, but I was able to say, Hey, this is what's going on and receive feedback and bring it to the Holy Spirit. And realize like I'm standing firm and even though this feels terrible because the dream was falling apart. Yeah. I had, I did meet someone and marry them very quickly and I told everyone it's fine and it wasn't fine. And I had to be willing to be wrong about, I was wrong mm -hmm. about it. And I had to be willing to hurt my son. He had already, he wasn't his own dad, never even was present. And then there was another relationship and he left and like, so I had to risk really, really, really significantly hurting him, not giving him, him an example. All these things, the enemy wanted to bring fear, fear, fear. And my sisterhood helped me to stand mm -hmm. firm and just be willing to trust God through this. How are you different today? <laughs> well, I'm, 
I am different. And the one thing I said I wanted to save, which I think is super important. One of the things I came, I didn't realize this, obviously. I came to marriage as I got married when I was 40 years old. And I was believing a lie that in order to be a legitimate woman, hmm. legitimate Christian woman, I had to have a husband. And if you asked me, do you believe that in order to be a legitimate woman, you need, a I would have told you no. Right. But I realize I did not know my belovedness. I didn't understand my place in Christ and my completeness in him that I didn't need to be chosen by a man in order to be a legitimate woman. God has bestowed upon me belovedness because I'm his. And so that was very, very, very powerful for me. That to is I'm powerful. Yeah. Powerful it's, to hear. Yeah. It's still settling in for me. You know, it's so how am I different? I know that I'm loved whether I have a husband or don't. And also, I want to be married again. It's not like, I don't need no man. That's not my stance. And, some <laughs> yeah. people, and if some people take the stance that they don't choose to get married, that's that's okay too. Like, again, that's fine. For me, I feel like, okay, I'm not, I've been divorced six months. I'm not like, right now is not the time that I'm pursuing any sort of relationship, but my one with Christ right this minute. But like, I have a new, I'm developing a relationship with God the way that he made it to be, which is I'm letting him love me. And also one of the things that God in his mercy has helped me do is to come into not just a better relationship with him, but a better relationship with me. Like the inner hostility is falling away. There's more peace. There's more acceptance of me. There's me being a witness to myself, like, like a friend to myself, which I think I was more like an enemy to myself for a long, long, long time. So that has been a huge blessing. And I don't think it's a direct product of this situation, but it's come out of being becoming, like we learn in Conquer, a God-centered woman and not a man or anything else centered woman. It's come out of that relationship with him. He's like, yes, I love you. And you can also love you too. And so how does just, that, how does that understanding, uh -huh. you know, if, if God were to bring another relationship to you at uh -huh. some point, how does that understanding make you better, more uh -huh. aware, everything going into another relationship uh -huh. so that you don't repeat the same mistake. Mm -hmm. I think of the product of hating oneself, which is how I would describe what was going on inside me unknowingly un under the level of my conscious awareness is a really insecure human being. I was really not secure in myself. And consequently, I was not relating with people in a really healthy way. You know, there was a part of me that needed like part of the dysfunction in my marriage is that he was putting me on a pedestal just to knock me down. But the part of me that wanted to be on a pedestal to feel good about myself was like getting fed there. And I think 
healing insecurity in myself is going to help me moving forward to, to be a solid woman who is secure and deeply rooted in God's love. It's like that picture in Psalm one where like, I don't have to fear drought. I don't have to fear the wind. Like my branches are supple and flexible and healthy. And like, I'm rooted. You can't knock me off. And so, and that doesn't mean anything bad about you. Well, I mean, it might mean I don't want a relationship with you if you have all these red flags, but like, I can just stand firm and trust myself, the lack of trust in myself. And I don't mean like versus trusting God, but I didn't have a very good relationship with my own personal agency. Like I would abandon myself rather than stand for myself. And so that didn't work out well. And I think having a better relationship with myself and more loyalty toward myself and tenderness toward myself, it creates an environment in me that I'm not going to be swayed by certain things and I'm not going to be dissuaded or dissuaded by certain things. Yeah. Yeah. You have given so many good pieces of advice. Uh, and, and I know now you've become a mentor in yeah. our Conquer program. And I, I assume that's been a good experience because you've been able to share some of this wisdom. Mm-hmm. If you could offer just one piece of advice to a woman mm-hmm. who's mm-hmm. listening, who mm-hmm. is in a similar situation as you were, what is the one thing that you would want her to take away from this podcast? Mm-hmm. I would say to press in to the love of God because that is literally the foundation of everything. And I know it sounds... How, how, what does that look like? Yeah, I was just going to say, so practically for me, it, well, part of what it's looked like is actually bathing in the scriptures, personalized over myself. I learned that from a ministry called First Loved Ministries, but to bathe myself in the scriptures, personalized from God's heart to mine, uh, Jerry, I will never leave you. You're my precious daughter. I will never leave you or forsake you. You're mine, Jerry. I chose you. Like that kind of thing. To personalize Um, the scripture with your name. That's powerful. Yeah. Um, And to, I really worked hard on developing a relationship with the Holy Spirit, who's the spirit of all truth, who will lead us into all truth. So there is no lie that can throw me off if I am in close relationship with the Holy Spirit. And so that's my advice is to become so God-centered that yes, we need people. And yes, this community is helpful, but there is no other God but God. And he has a good plan for your life. He has the plan and it's good. And so when, when we press into him in prayer, and one of the things I've had to learn is if I'm afraid to hear the truth, it's really hard to hear God because he is truth. So I have to get really honest with myself. Like, is there something I'm unwilling to hear? Like when it was time to choose, am I going to stay or am I going to go? I didn't want to lose the dream. Right. It's really hard to hear that. So cultivating a love relationship with God and being able to trust that he has the best plan. And even if it's not what sounds the most appealing to me at the time, or if even if it's going to entail walking through something hard, I can trust and rely on him because he's faithful. That's so good. Jerry, yeah. 
Thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time to share your stories, for being so vulnerable and just bringing your wisdom to our listeners. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me today. God bless you. You too. Thank you for listening to Relationship Truth Unfiltered. If any of Jerry's story felt similar to your relationship, then make the choice she did and join Conquer. It's open right now. Surround yourself with Leslie's teaching, her specially trained coaches, and a group of women ready to encourage you to grow strong and make good biblical choices in the midst of a destructive relationship. Go to leslievernick.com forward slash join. Doors close October 17th. Until next time, may God bless all of your relationships with him, with others, and with yourself.